Hi, I'm Lucas. And I'm Brian. And this is the Quacks Podcast. Hey guys, Lucas here with the Quacks Podcast, episode 38. Welcome to the podcast. This week, we have a special guest. His name is Lucas Owen, and he owns a supplement company in Australia. We talk about some really awesome things in this podcast, but before we jump into that, I just want to explain one thing. Now, Lucas and I come from different backgrounds in health and supplements. He is young, fit, and he's a very healthy guy. So he comes at supplementation with the mindset of performance and optimization. I come from more of a chronic illness background, and so I see things from that light. Now, I find that on the web, usually you kind of fall into one of these two camps. There are people trying to fix a problem and people attempting to uh, get an edge. And Lucas, in my opinion, definitely falls into the latter camp, which is great to have that different kind of perspective on these topics. And it's why we do these interviews and why they can bring so much value to all the listeners. Now, some of his recommendations are out there compared to what we normally talk about. Uh, We talk about BPC-157, which is an experimental peptide people are using for joint issues, as well as some other racy topics. So just keep in mind that context matters in a different way for different people and enjoy this wonderful interview. Hey, everybody. How's it going? I am here with Lucas Owen. He is the CEO and founder of Ergogenic Health. He's also the lead formulator and developer of BrainX, which is a new supplement on the market uh, that I think we're going to talk about towards the end for boosting dopamine. But uh, yeah, thanks for coming on, man. I appreciate you making some time. Yeah, cheers, man. Cheers. Yeah, I'm really, uh, really stoked to be here and sort of leverage my knowledge to your your audience and just um, expand on topics that are relatively unexplored in that sense yeah it seems like people are really interested in neurotransmitters you know we've done a couple episodes we've done we did one on dopamine we did one on serotonin and people really like the whole idea the subjective experience of it and so i thought uh when i saw some of your posts on a forum we both visit i thought you know we should get this guy on just to kind of talk a little bit about what he knows mm, yeah yeah i mean I've been into sort of like I've been researching neurotransmitters for well over like seven years and I was just always fascinated by ways in which we can optimize like brain function. So I remember back when I was in high school, my very first experience with a quote-unquote nootropic was um, it was actually a chewing gum which was called Think Gum. And um, Really? Yeah, and uh, I remember using that like around exam periods and noticing just a mild boost and all my friends around me like, man, what are you doing? Like, this is got this is not going to have any effect and like just just you know constantly just um, critiquing my experiments. But yeah, from there I sort of branched off and was always like researching things on PubMed and just um, constantly experimenting and tracking. <laughs> Yeah, so um, so you're a naturopath, if I'm correct. Could you can you tell us maybe a little bit how uh, you got into that, what your path yeah. was to to get a practice and all that that stuff? Yeah, so I am still completing my degree. I'm third year student and um, will be okay. graduated end of next year. Um, but I sort of just transitioned into that from uh, my exercise science degree, which I did a year of, and then. Um, I was lucky enough to sort of get involved in a startup uh, back then and um, that was basically like a a nootropic product which I helped to formulate back then 
Um, okay. And yeah, and then sort of just transitioned over into my naturopathy degree and um, yeah, just loving every little bit of it and just absolutely devouring it. Like I'm just, um, it's really easy for me because I was already already living that sort of lifestyle. So um, yeah, I noticed that things just things just worked, things just flowed, and I just really enjoyed um, being in an environment where people sort of view the body in a similar way. Yeah. So how did you get into neurotransmitters? Ooh, I guess that would have been from, well, I used to, I played professional soccer for 15 years and I was experimenting with um, alcohol, like acetylalkanotine. Oh, okay. Like the very the traditional, you know, mitochondrial enhancer. Um, yeah, so I played around with alcohol, noticed that it had a pretty positive effect on my like reaction time and my decision making on the soccer pitch. And then it sort of branched off into like, okay, well, I'm improving my performance on the soccer field. How can I um, alter some other area of my lifestyle? And then I sort of experimented with um, L-theanine. And I remember my very first experience with that. Uh, it was really profound. I was like, I was very, um, you know, I had, I think I was 200 milligrams of theanine and then like an hour later, I was about 19, about an hour later, I noticed just insane calmness and just really, really relaxed. And um, yeah, just from there, I was like just constantly on Reddit, always contributing some really cool like PubMed articles and um, just sharing very novel research on those like standard things like magnesium, zinc, Um but yeah, I just, I, I, again, like you said before, I just don't feel like we have a really good grasp on neurotransmitter function. And obviously that, that serotonin episode that you did, um, yeah, I guess a lot of people are still very unsure about serotonin's role in mood and, you know, motivation, things like that. Yeah, I know. It's, uh, it's often mistaken for that you know, happy hormone. And it's, it's weird because it's not, you know, we talked a little bit about Ray Pete on the show, who is really like anti serotonin. And I, I understand why he is. Um, but there are some people who have been really helped by uh, antidepressants, you know, it does seem to kind of turn a light off or on in their head, uh, that, that relieves a lot of their depression. And I hear you on L-theanine. I, I used L-theanine, I think for years, uh, when I was a coffee drinker, it it's just fantastic stuff. And, and, and the thing I like about healthy Indian is there's very little downside to taking it for long periods of time. At, at least I never experienced one. I don't know about you. Yeah. I never really noticed any, um, sort of dependency or, or tolerance for that matter. Like I just found it was very consistent. Um, and just always seemed to get me in that sweet spot of like focused and relaxed at the same time. Yeah. So let's let's talk a little bit about dopamine, which I know uh, you are particularly interested in uh, with BrainX and all that. So what mm. uh, what got you interested in dopamine, and you know what? Uh, why is it important to you? What is it? You know what is it about it that kind of grabs you? Yeah, I think would have been just from years of experimentation and um, 
sort of finding the common link between all the substances and compounds that I was playing around with. And I quickly came to realize that anything that would assist or optimize dopamine signaling or dopamine receptors would have a positive effect on whatever outcome I was trying to explore. So for example, like, I mean, I was, I'm still a student, um, and I'm, I'm very, very driven and very, very like motivated. And I found that like things that would support dopamine synthesis would really, as you mentioned, um, it's very propelling and, you know, it's just very, it's very sort of, it just keeps me focused, like very, very focused. Um, but having said that, there is definitely a trade-off and, um, that, that, I mean, that can come at the cost of, you know, sort of being, I guess, a little bit too selfish and too self-oriented with your own goals because you're so focused you sort of lose perspective on like what it actually means to be a human, you know, like, Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> mm, yeah. Like you just sort of, um, like I found myself well, because I monitor how I feel all the time. I actually realized that when my dopamine's really, really high, I'm super focused, super motivated, but my fulfillment and happiness is, I wouldn't say at its peak, whereas let's just say I've had a really great day. You know, I've hung out with friends and been to like a social event and really connected with other people. My, like my score, my, my happiness rating, whatever you want to call it, mm. uh, is a lot higher. Like I feel, I feel really valued and I just really get that really nice, warm, cozy feeling, you know, like you just feel really like, connected yeah yeah that's interesting i mean i know one of the things we talked about was dopamine is that thing that propels you towards goals uh Mm. and it's not necessarily the payoff once you get to the goal you know it's not Mm. necessarily the good nice feelings and so when you take things that up dopamine it, it does definitely put you you know it gets you moving it gets you propelled in a certain direction uh but if your brain is just always high on dopamine you you actually don't get that payoff you know, you don't, mm. you don't ever arrive, so to speak. Uh, and I, I don't know mm. what, I don't know what brain chemicals would be used with bonding, probably like oxytocin or something along those lines, you know? Yeah. Even the, um, I'm not sure how much you've ex- experienced or like researched, um, like how the opioid network intertwines with the dopamine system as well. Cause that, like that payoff that you're referring to, that, that yeah. reinforcing aspect of getting that reward. Like, um, I'm I'm not entirely sure, but I, I know that the opioid network is is highly linked there to that, um, you know, reinforcing and that that reward that you get from those behaviors. So I wonder if, yeah, um, do you you know what about the other neurotransmitters like glutamate, GABA, norepinephrine? Do you um, know much about those and how they kind of affect people? Uh, I know I know a little bit about glutamate um, and GABA. So, well, in terms of glutamate, it is the most uh, it's the main excitatory neurotransmitter in the body. Okay, um, and I think it's the it's the most abundant as well. So, um, it definitely 
plays a, a huge role in uh, cognitive function and things like memory, learning, and um, other brain functions. Um, but I've seen a lot of research indicating that um, there's higher blood levels of glutamate in autistic um, children and people, which is quite fascinating. That is interesting. Um, and also, it's pretty rare to see someone like if you were to do a, if you were to break down glutamate and its associated behaviors and traits, um, <clears throat> it's pretty rare to see someone lacking glutamate. Like I don't really see many people striving to to want to raise their glutamate levels because that can be excitotoxic, and I. Th- think the body is the brain is quite good at um at regulating and having enough glutamate um gotcha so yeah i don't think i mean there's a few nootropics that can modulate glutamate and i think the number one nootropic for that is nupept okay i'm not uh, familiar with that one yeah that's a um russian peptide um and I think that that definitely does ramp up glutamate production, and that's probably how it influences um, memory processing because uh, it influences like long-term potentiation. So, um, gotcha. Uh, yeah, yeah. Usually with glutamate, what I find is, you know, obviously you eat things with MSG in them, which is monosodium glutamate. I always find I get kind of a headache. I, I definitely get more focused, but I get kind of um, compulsive almost, or uh, basically, uh, I, I feel ADHD. You know, like like I like my attention can't stay on many things uh, that long, and and underneath that is kind of like a, a pain in my head, like kind of a fist, uh, like mm-hmm. squeezing. And so that's 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 what I've always associated with glutamate. Um, but obviously, mm-hmm. MSG is not the probably the best form of glutamate, or you know, you, you probably wouldn't want to take that to raise it. But yeah, I, I'm not sure exactly how glut because I know glutamate. Um, it, it is being studied in connection with certain neurodegenerative processes and stuff. So anyway. Yeah. Well, um, one of the, obviously there's an enzyme, the glutamic acid decarboxylase, which is that enzyme that shunts the glutamate back into GABA. Um, and there's a ton of ways in which we can modify that enzyme. And one of them that we mentioned earlier was um, theanine. But then also you've got another constituent from a herb called Evodia. Um, that's gastrodin. Hmm. Um, that's one that's quite effective at, at regulating that enzyme. Holy basil, lemon balm, and even the good old taurine, which I absolutely love. So these, so taurine, that's an amino acid, but these, these herbs and amino acid will basically make your uh, brain convert glutamate to GABA. That's what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And what is, what is GABA? How does that work? So GABA is our primary inhibitory or calming neurotransmitter. And that, the way I like to look at it is similar to Chris master John. And he says that it's, um, sort of like the brake pedal on the, on the brain. It just sort of slows things down um, similar to how people feel when they drink alcohol, because that obviously um, modifies GABA, well, that that binds to the GABA A receptors, 
and clearly that's not a um, not a long term solution to sort of optimizing GABA levels. But basically, GABA is a very sort of anti anxiety neurotransmitter, and it's it it works well in conjunction with high dopamine because you've got that that strong focus and motivation, but then you've also got like that brake pedal to sort of slow you down, keep you on track, reduce ADHD symptoms, um, reduce, reduce norepinephrine. So you get a reduction in anxiety. Um, and I'm sure it also links to the vagus nerve and I haven't exactly seen any research suggesting this, but I believe that oral GABA supplementation will somehow influence the vagus nerve through the gut because Interesting. Um, a lot of people are, you know, they're saying that GABA supplementation does not cross the blood-brain barrier. Um, okay. But if it doesn't, then, and it's having an anxiolytic effect, then let's have a think about where it's working. So there's, there's, a, there's, there's a, a lot more GABA receptors in the gut than the brain. So it sort of makes sense that it's having a, positive effect on anxiety through the gut. So that's interesting. So yeah, there's a lot of, um, I know in the kind of here, I mean, obviously you're in Australia, so it's probably different, but here uh, in health food stores, a lot of people talk about the connection between the gut and the brain. And, mm. you know, we kind of mentioned it in the serotonin episode. I think 90% of your serotonin is found in your gut versus your brain. Mm. Um, so that's yeah. that's pretty interesting. What about um, norepinephrine? How do you know how that uh, ties into all this? Because isn't that adrenaline uh, basically? Yeah, I guess. Well, norepinephrine is one of the um, the metabolic byproducts of enhancing dopamine. So that that enzyme which converts dopamine into norepinephrine is that uh, dopamine beta hydroxylase enzyme. Um, and if we have an excess of norepinephrine, it can exacerbate ADHD symptoms. It can increase arousal too much, like you know that inverted U arousal yeah. scale. On, um, that can influence that. And I wonder. I haven't seen much research about it influencing like blood pressure or um, having a sort of vasoconstrictive nature to it. So I wonder if that would affect you know. Um, athletes in the gym, um, for like, you know, pumps in the gym, things like that. Yeah. Um, there is a way to inhibit that enzyme, that dopamine beta hydroxylase enzyme. And it's actually from another sort of amino acid. Well, it's actually a dipeptide, um, L-carnosine. Okay. Um, that's a pretty well-known, uh, dopamine beta hydroxylase inhibitor. I did a post on that on Reddit couple of years back and um yeah it's that's quite um that's quite effective for people who like to um use a lot of stimulants but then they don't want to they don't want to channel all that dopamine into norepinephrine why Um, why would one want to inhibit that conversion well i guess because with when you're getting too much conversion into norepinephrine it's going to worsen anxiety it'll um, again, like, um, increase sort of like fidgetiness, um, sort of restlessness. Okay. Again, probably like too aroused, but again, in the gym, that may be a good thing. I mean, you can probably afford to be ADHD in the gym because, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so 
I'm, I'm kind of curious, do you see clients or do you work with people who, you know, come to you for, for problems with their, you know, depression or whatnot? Well, at the moment, I'm, I'm not taking on any, any clients yet. I do plan on doing um, like nootropic consultations a couple of years down the track. But at the moment, I'm just sort of, um, I'm, I'm sort of helping athletes with their sort of nutrition um, recovery, lifestyle hacks, things that can improve their performance. So um, it's definitely a space I really look forward to getting into. And um, I've got, I just feel like I've got so much knowledge across so many areas, not just the brain, but also like hormonal health, particularly men's hormones, um, you know, sleep hacks, um, just, you know, modifying other systems. I feel like I've got a lot of research and experience in that area and i just can't wait to sort of cool you know work privately with 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 clients so why don't why don't we um, go through a few of those so you mentioned uh sleep and men's health um what yeah. uh you know if somebody came to you with sleep problems or, or a guy comes to you with with low testosterone or whatnot what would you you know what would your approach be yeah well actually um one of my practices has sort of not gone viral, but uh, one of one of them was um, sort of educating men on the benefits of icing their gonads. Um, <laughs> and uh, wow, <laughs> yeah, this um, this sort of this took off. I got interviewed on one of our radio stations here in Melbourne uh, one morning, like a couple of years back. Um, and since then I, I created my own sort of Facebook group dedicated to that practice called sub zero. <laughs> um. <laughs> All right. I, you know, I'll try it, whatever. Well, I'm down. So what, what can somebody expect from icing their, uh, balls? Well, initially from my experience, experience and experiments was, um, uh, so I, I, I first started doing it on my way, on my way to the gym, like, um, just in the car, I'd, um, you know, chuck an ice pack down there. And, um, yeah, I just felt like as soon as I took, sort of took it off, I just got this really, really hot, like high charging energy. I just felt really super energized, like similar to an ice bath, but it just sort of felt like more channeled so, and just very, so are you saying you did it on accident the first time? Like you just put an ice pack in your, in your, what uh like i don't know crotch or whatever just to keep it there and then you're like aha it's like is that what you're saying <laughs> like it was like newton with an apple hitting his head or 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 did you like figure this out or research it or something i i did come across a race uh, i found a research study showing um nocturnal scrotum cooling having a seriously positive effect on um sperm count and um and testosterone levels and i was like okay well i've got to give this a crack like what's what's all the hype about did some more research found a few um on a few bodybuilding forums <laughs> a few guys that would that would use it and they'd say like you know the russian and chinese powerlifters swore by it and they used to do it before <laughs> their lifts um so i gave it a crack and I'm, i know a lot of it would have been placebo but i definitely i definitely enjoyed how i felt after doing it um, and also doing it before bed would just reliably, you know, morning wood guaranteed, like without even, even if, you know, you're, you're under a lot of stress, 
lot of variables are working against you. I just felt like it was having a consistent effect in that regard. Um, and, and a lot of other guys in the group, in the Sub-Zero group, have just left heaps of comments and just, you know, reporting their experiences and saying how much of a positive effect it's having on their sex drive. Wow. Um, just their general energy levels. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's a great free little biohack that I can't wait to sort of, um, you know, not, not announce publicly, but um, just sort of, you know, get more guys onto it because, I mean, look at the sperm count today. Like we are just, yeah. it's, just it's, it's, it's really scary. Like it's, it's a very, very downward trend. Yeah, and the testosterone levels, I know that the range just keeps getting moved lower and lower and lower. Um, so what is, what is it actually doing, you know, when, when you put ice on your balls? What is that, what is, how does that work? Well, part of its mechanism would be the fact that simply the fact that we as men today, uh, our, our testicles are just too warm majority of the time. Like even if it's two degrees above, um, like the, the normal level, spermatogenesis is complete, like it completely arrests spermatogenesis. So like you cannot produce sperm. Um, if they're just two degrees too hot and that sort of makes sense. Like, um, you sort of use a sauna, um, that's like always bring an ice pack in the sauna. That is an absolute must, um, for any guy. Um, but yeah, part of that mechanism would be just purely like temperature regulation. Um, and also Leydig cell function. So like its ability to secrete, um, luteinizing hormone, and testosterone so it's having a pretty powerful effect in that regard but then also i have a feeling it would be working on like mitochondrial function down there okay like, in some regard because um not, not that there's any brown fat in that area but um i believe the combination of temperature like temperature regulation um modifying blood flow there i'm sure that would have an, another effect like that vasoconstrictive nature then once you take the ice back off you get that blood rush back down there and then sort of brings you know, you know fresh blood um but i mean again all we can go by is some of the like the research studies on like sperm count it's having such a dramatic effect and some of the people that i've worked with in the past um they've prescribed it well, they've, they've, you know, they've started, they've told their husband to start, um, icing and like two out of two, they, they successfully got pregnant from doing that. So oh, wow. Watch, watch out, man. Watch out. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So you heard it here first. Fertility problems, ice your balls. That's, that's great. How long should they do it? Like what, you know, and is it better to use an ice pack or do you want to go with ice itself in a bag? You know, what's, what are the details? Well, I mean, I am I am now affiliated with a company called Snowballs. <laughs> no, <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, they um, right. they sell sort of underwear that have like little inserts for the ice pack sort of thing. So it sort of makes it nice and convenient, easy for you to ice um, sort of at home. Um, but you can simply just use um, a regular ice pack or sort of like a Ziploc bag with two ice cubes and then the trick is obviously do not apply it directly to the skin because that is surefire way to sort of you know burn your 
the, your, the skin on your balls. All right. Um, <laughs> yeah, just make sure it's sort of um, just placing it up against the like your underwear. Just keeping that area cool. Doesn't have to be like frozen. Just needs to be cool. Um, How long? Uh, I usually do like 15 to 20 minutes um, and I'll do that every now and then. Like I might do it on my way to the gym um, and then I'll do another one before bed as well. Uh, so probably like twice a day. All right. Um, Are you a big fan of the, you know, the cryotherapy where people, you know, freeze their whole body or whatnot for short amounts of time? Oh, 100%. Yeah, I'm a big fan of cryotherapy. I do think though it can be... I mean, it is an, an acute stressor um, and it does massively upregulate that production of norepinephrine. So if it's, say, like 5.30 p.m. and, you know, I've been working all day and I sort of need like another kick, another little boost, I'll just go upstairs, have a cold shower, come back down and I'll get another about, you know, about 90 minutes of um, alertness and focus sort of thing. Um, there's a there's a ton of other benefits. I've I did a post on my Instagram specifically on you know cold water immersion okay. and the benefits of that, so people can check that out if they're interested. Cool. In learning more. So what about sleep? You mentioned uh, sleep, and you might have some hacks for that. Yeah, actually, there's a um, there's a particular seaweed which I can't wait to sort of share with my audience, which I haven't yet, but you'll be the first on this podcast. Um, it's a, it's a brown seaweed from Japan, and that's called um, Eclonia kava. And that has so much research. Um, I think they spent over $33 million researching this particular seaweed for a wide range of health conditions. And um, basically, I've come to realize that it's one of – the most effective sleep aids because it's a positive allosteric modulator of that GABA A receptor. Okay. So it's um, it's very anxiolytic. It also mimics L-theanine in the sense that it also raises alpha waves in the brain, um, which is awesome because there's not many other nootropics that can really influence that alpha wave state and for those who are unsure on like what that even means it's basically um think of it as how you feel after meditation like that's if you were to meditate for 20 minutes um and that feeling that you sort of get immediately after it that's similar to how it feels to raise alpha waves so eclonia carver is quite good at that and it also powerfully low, lowers cortisol as well. Hmm. So kind of like um, a deep calm. Yeah, it's it's really good in that sense. Um, Is it sold? I mean, can you buy it on Amazon, or where do people people get it if they wanted to try it? Um, well, the one that I I went through a few different vendors, and um, two of them had zero effect on me, like nothing at all. Um, and then I found one that was quite effective. So I've, I've listed that one on my website, which people can find. We can okay. put in the show yep, notes. I'll put a show note link in there. Yeah. And the other thing is that, that Eclonia Carver, there was a study done against Viagra and it outperformed Viagra in terms of its, um, really? effect on, 
endothelial function because it really, really supports endothelial function um, and also that nitrate to nitrite ratio. So like it really scavenges the, um, the toxic peroxy, peroxy nitrate. So it has a really positive effect on blood flow, but not in a very toxic manner like um, citrulline or arginine sort of thing. Um, okay. It's also a very, very powerful ACE inhibitor. Okay, so it might lower your blood pressure a little bit. Yeah. And also it's got a lot of research on it's I mean, it's well known for its antioxidant capacity. because uh, it's got a very some of the fluorotannins found in Aquania Cava, um they're actually fat soluble. So they stick around in the body and have a really long so they have like a twelve twelve hour half life. Mm. Um so again, that that antioxidant protection, um, which again can be good, but then can be problematic. Obviously, with like you know adaptations to weight training, things like that. Yeah, is this something you'd want to take every night, or you'd want to take it occasionally? Yeah, I mean, I exactly. I use it probably like three or four times a week, um, about one hour before bed, sort of, or after dinner, um, with some like with some nuts or almonds or something. Um, and like, I noticed this and so did my, my dad who tried it. Um, it's when you wake up, you, you feel like you can't, you really just can't fall back asleep. Like you just feel like you've woken up like really ready to go. You just feel really, really deeply rested. And I do track my sleep with, um, with the aura ring. Oh, okay. That's cool. Yeah. Those are nice. Yeah. So I do get, I do have some objective data to combine that with my subjective feelings. Um, and it's, I haven't seen amazing increases in my deep sleep. I may have seen like a slight increase in my REM, like maybe like 20 to 30 minutes. Okay. Um, I mean, my deep sleep usually floats around the two hour mark. Um, the highest I ever got was three hours and 15 minutes of deep sleep. Um, and that was, from bpc 157 mm, i'm not familiar with that one okay well that's a um that's a gastric peptide so it stands for body protecting compound um basically it's used to sort of heal the gut um from sort of like NSAID induced uh gastric ulcers oh is this the one people uh, are using for joints yeah that's the okay one. gotcha and it's kind of an experimental thing right they have to inject it I mean, the one that I have is oral. Like, there's a company here that sells oral BPC-157. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, obviously, I was hesitant to be injecting, you know, peptide. I'm not very – I'm not experienced with that. So, um wanted to avoid the uh, inje- injection pathway. So, um, but orally, it's, it's bioactive because, I mean, if it's made in the gut, it makes sense that it's, you know, it's still bioavailable through an oral capsule – breaking down in, in the gut. Um, but <clears throat> yeah, it's, it's, um, that, that had a really dramatic effect on my deep sleep. Like I said, three hours and 15 minutes. Um, and I believe that's because it, that has a very, very potent effect on regulating GABA. Um, because there's people that have said that BPC one five seven has sort of restored their tolerance to diazepam and some other, you know, benzodiazepines, which is 
pretty profound, I guess. Yeah, so maybe maybe explain that a little bit deeper. Uh, well, so basically, um, as with most medications, not all, um, they are really the body. The body adapts to anything you introduce by sort of either downregulating the receptors or changing its response to that drug. So basically, when people use benzodiazepines, which are anxiolytic, let's say they reduce anxiety or they promote sleep through that GABAergic, that GABA-A receptor, um, over time, when if they continuously use that, uh, they end up severely downregulating their GABA-A receptors and um, as a result, they need more of that drug to get the same sort of effect. So that's a typical example of tolerance. And there have been a lot of people online who have used benzos, benzodiazepines for years and after using BPC for BPC-157 for a week or so, have reported that their tolerance and adaptability and the strength of their benzodiazepine has come back to full strength, like to as they first started. So I found that pretty interesting. And um, again, we don't really know exactly where that's working. If it is in the gut, um, or if it's in the in, in the brain, um, but we definitely do know that it does modulate a wide range of neurotransmitters and, and receptor sites as well. So. Um, <clears throat> Found that pretty interesting. Yeah, that is really interesting. Yeah, it's just been um, it's again Ben Greenfield talks about it quite a lot um, from a like performance perspective, and I've seen. I mean, I've got my PubMed notifications turned on for this peptide because, I mean, I'm seeing research studies come in like every week or so, and it's just you know a wide range of things. It's healing. Like I personally, the reason why I grabbed it was because. I had a torn uh, medial meniscus, my knee. Okay. And um, within a week or two, like I was fully functional. Like I could squat like all the way down, didn't have any pain. Wow. And this is something that I've had, yeah, for years because I played soccer for 15 years. And um, this really did seal seal the damage. Um it's pretty pretty potent in that regard. It's a very healing peptide. Yeah. Do you still take it, or did you just take it for a short amount of time? I just used it for those two weeks, and as a result, my knee fixed. My deep sleep was insane, um, and my tolerance to to allergenic and really like bad foods was was improved. Like my digestion, my digestive capacity was strengthened quite a lot. Um, reduce like bloating from foods that should cause bloating. Um, and the stools were like type four on the Bristol stool chart, like every single time. So how much uh, did you take? I was using 500 micrograms orally, um, just once a day. Even that's a pretty moderate dose. You could probably get away with less to be honest. Okay. Um, yeah, so it's, it's a pretty, it's a cool, it's a cool peptide. Again, I'm, I'm excited to see more research in the future. Okay, cool. So before we move on to BrainX, are there any other uh, little life hacks or whatnot that have really made a big difference for you? Yeah, actually, um, going back to the sleep, uh, mouth 
so uh, mouth taping has had a pretty positive effect on my sleep scores. And how does that? How does um, that work? Well, part of it would be because first of all, I was a mouth breather. I wasn't aware of that, but I was breathing through my mouth during my sleep, and um, that in itself, like just breathing through the mouth, is a is a good way to activate that sympathetic nervous system so that like the fight or flight nervous system and that's definitely not something you want to be activating or at least you know um in encouraging while you sleep so if you shift over back to the nose like nasal breathing and that's why you know there's a lot of yogi like yogis that breathe have those like breathing methods through the nose um Shifting it back towards the the nasal cavity um, really switches the autonomic nervous system towards the parasympathetic nervous system. So that's having a positive effect on, you know, um, the vagus nerve and then again probably lowering cortisol, lowering adrenaline during your sleep. Um, And then it also regulates nitric oxide because you you create – majority of the nitric oxide is actually formed in the nose. Okay. so that again is advantageous during sleep because it's going to help with um, blood flow and um, lymphatic drainage and things like that. All right. So basically, you tape your mouth shut before you go to bed. Basically, yeah. I mean, you're making yourself a hostage before you sleep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice. All right. Any any other life hacks? Gratitude. Gratitude is a big one. Um, just just expressing gratitude throughout the day, um, you know, just being grateful for reminding yourself on the things that you're grateful for. Like that has a really profound impact on like my mood state and um, just making me feel, you know, just just grateful for the things that are, that are around me because we just sometimes we're so just so narrow focused on things that we just lose perspective on you know, there's there there are people out there that are suffering a lot more than you. You know, yeah. so it's something really important to keep track of. And um, yeah, and ask your friends. Just ask them on a daily basis or whatever, and just be like, "What are you grateful for today?" You know, it'll might 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 shock them, sort of thing. Just be like, "Oh, I haven't really thought of that," sort of thing. So yeah, that's that's cool. Have a little. A community of people that you're all always kind of reminding each other uh, to be grateful for something. Yeah. Cool. So let's talk about BrainX. Um, that's a new supplement that you just recently came out with, and I believe it has something like four ingredients in it. So can you tell us how you came up with it and what the ingredients are? Yeah, sure. So BrainX was a product that I've been working on for well over two years and I mean the original name for it was Coffee Boost. Um, So it was basically a formula that was designed to be added to your coffee to give you more energy, focus and sort of reduce the crash from the coffee itself. Um, And so basically, as you mentioned, yep, there's four ingredients. Um, I'll take it from the top. So first off, we have catuaba, so catuaba bark also known as Trichilia catiga. Um, and that's a herb from Brazil, which has a lot of historical use for its effect on um, 
as a nerve tonic, you know, sort of uplifting mood, acting as a mild aphrodisiac, um, a very sort of like a, a social herb. Um, and if we dive into sort of the mechanism behind how that's sort of working, uh, it has a very strong affinity towards the dopaminergic system and it acts as a very mild um, dopamine reuptake inhibitor. Okay. Um and also has a I don't think it's very strong in this department, but it can also support, you know, serotonin release as well. Um, but the dopamine reuptake inhibition is nothing like um, you know, amphetamines. It's very it's very mild, but it's it sort of feels like it has reverse tolerance because um the more you use it, the, the the better the effects sort of thing. Like it has a um, a lot of people online and there's no research on this, but people reporting that it has sort of reverse um, tolerance, which is which is really cool. Yeah, that's that's really interesting because you know dopamine. I mean, it just the more you take, the the more you need. So I mean, that's really fascinating. And another study that I found was that it actually has slight opioid activity as well. Um, because they did a study, there's a particular way they can assess um, pain tolerance in rats. And I, did, I know this is really cruel, but um, basically it's the hot plate test. Have you? Uh, I'm not familiar with the hot plate test. Um, it's, it's pretty cruel. I mean, they, they basically assess how long a rat can withstand pain on, on the hot plate um, you know, assessing um, it's sort of the analgesic effects of certain medications or drugs. Um, so basically, they have a rat on a hot plate and they slowly heat it and see at what point they start to freak out. Yeah, pretty okay, much. Gotcha. Pretty much. Um, and I know the dose was quite high, but they did compare Catawaba to morphine, um, and. It was somewhat equal, and if not better than morphine, at um, increasing a rat's tolerance to the hot plate, which is which is pretty cool. Um, but like the way I view catawaba is that it's a very it's a very uplifting herb. It's very um, makes you feel very uninhibited, like you feel very like just present, very like sort of sarcastic, less serious. Um, sort of turns you into a bit of a joker. Like that's definitely, that was when I first started using it a few years ago. Like I, I was experimenting with it like at before, you know, going out to a party or whatever. And I found that it was just, I felt super confident, super like outgoing, um, a lot more sarcastic, which I found like usually I'm not as, I'm very like focused and, you know, get shit done sort of thing. But this sort of made me feel sort of come out of my shell really really sort of showed my true personality. Yeah, the Joker, um, playful. I get it. Yeah. Um, and for the people that I've, you know, because I did some small um, testing on, on, on the actual formula and a lot of people sort of said similar things about like how it sort of made them feel. Um, some people said that it had a positive effect on like um, musical appreciation um, which is which is really cool, um, <clears throat> but basically, yeah. So the catawaba is that's my chief ingredient. 
Then I've combined that with Mirapama, which is another herb from Brazil. And if you look traditionally, they have always used those two together. Um, and Mirapama has a very unique mechanism of action. It strengthens nerve growth factor, similar to lion's mane, which is a mushroom that everyone's talking about. Yeah, that is at the super moment, popular right now. Which definitely does come with a ton of side effects. And um, what kind of side effects? Uh, a lion's mane is a is a potent DHT blocker. So that's having a lot of guys, including myself, um, notice lowered libido um, from using lion's mane long term, um, similar to finasteride. Oh wow. So yeah, DHT is that testosterone metabolite that is, you know, very masculinizing. Yeah, I mean, it's three to 10 times stronger than testosterone itself. And a lot of the positive effects of high testosterone actually come from its conversion into that DHT. So um, lion's mane in that regard is, it's not bad. Um, I'm not here to dig at lion's mane, but Mirapuama, it doesn't have that doesn't really have that um, DHT blocking effect. And it also, it acts as a very mild GABA-A antagonist. So it's actually blocking GABA-A um, slightly, which... It's kind of like an upper. Yeah, definitely definitely an upper. Um, and then it also has like dopamine D1 receptor agonism. Um, and that has a that has a role in, in influencing alertness and focus. Um, so yeah, traditionally they have always been used together and then I've combined those two with another ingredient called uridine monophosphate. You familiar with that one? Uh, I'm not, I mean, I've heard about it, but I'm not, I don't know much about what it does. Okay, cool. Um, well, uridine has a very, very positive effect on sort of dopamine receptor density in regions of the brain that are responsible for like alertness, focus, motivation, things like that. And um, what they've actually researched is that uridine combined with stimulants such as they have used cocaine and amphetamines in the studies is that it potentiates the, the, locomotive, the locomotive effects of those drugs, um, which shows that it actually may sort of have um, again, make someone more sensitive to stimulants. So whether or not that applies to coffee, I'm not sure, but from anecdotal evidence, it's definitely agreed upon that uridine combined with coffee makes the coffee feel subjectively a lot stronger. Interesting. So this this is really like something that makes the supplement feel even stronger than it really is. It's like a sensitizer. Exactly right. And it also, um, that also massively increases neurite outgrowth. Um, so increasing like, um, your ability to form connections and then also within your brain. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cause it's, um, again, again, working through that nerve growth factor signaling. And then it also increases phospholipids. Um, so things like phosphatidylcholine, in the brain, which is critical for memory um, and just cellular fluidity and, you know, um, plasticity. So uridine is one of those compounds that, for me, the reason why I put in Brain X was because, one, it's going to strengthen the effects of the coffee or 
make them more sensitive to catawaba and miripuama and it also has highly neuroprotective properties so i know that it's very well researched for like delaying alzheimer's and um you know supporting cognition long term um and then i also put in there because real real quick before is there a natural source of uridine i mean where does it come from okay um so it's found from i mean it can be found in like broccoli brewer's yeast um foods like that but they are actually not bioavailable um so for some reason the body doesn't really it's not very bioavailable from these foods you'd have to eat quite a lot um the only food that does reliably raise blood levels of uridine is breast milk but i'm not sure how many people have access to that (laughs) wow that that puts a whole new light on the new mad max movie right (laughs) cool okay so what's the fourth ingredient the fine, yeah, the fourth and final one is D-ribose. Now, D-ribose is a naturally occurring sugar, which can. The reason why I put it in the formula was because it actually reduces the perceived crash from caffeine because it regulates like intracellular um, calcium influx and also adenosine um, activity. So what it does is it actually, there's a research study on PubMed sort of demonstrating the effect of D-ribose in conjunction with caffeine. And what they found was that it um, reduces the perceived crash from caffeine um, whilst maintaining the energizing effects because it also supports the synthesis of ATP in the in the body. Um so again, D-ribose, I'm very, I'm very proud that it's in there because it's acting as my filler. And, you know, there's all these companies putting all these nasty fillers and flavors and things like that. But yeah, all the sand and junk. D-ribose is my sweetener because if you taste it on its own, it is, it is very sweet. And it's a sugar, but it's a sugar that actually lowers blood sugar levels. It's really weird in that regard it doesn't actually raise doesn't spike your blood sugar levels um so the keto fans will be happy about that one. yeah so so to kind of sum this all up basically if somebody takes brain x they're going to feel uh uninhibited more social easier to talk uh they're going to be more focused more present in the moment calmer and they're not going to have some of the downsides that maybe lion's mane or, you know, amphetamines would have. Is that kind of an accurate summation? Yeah, pretty much, man. That's, that's, that were, that were my key objectives. Um, and it took a lot of refining for the dosages. Um, but I've really landed on what I think is an absolute winner. And I feel like people are just going to fall in love with the, with the formula. They're just going to love how they feel. Like, every day i'm so confident in saying that because i've seen people i've already prepared samples for friends and stuff and they they really enjoy the effects and it's it's just a happy it's a happy blend and um it really does make you your best version of yourself like i'm very confident in saying that who is it uh i'm sorry who would it be for you know is it for everybody is it for only certain people uh i guess it's most suitable to people who, you know, um, are under a lot of stress, um, have a, like a busy lifestyle, you know, find themselves 
getting fatigued in the afternoon. Um, athletes can use it. Uh, corporate workers, entrepreneurs. So pretty much everybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Are there any uh, drawbacks, anything people should watch out for? The only major drawback that I'm fully aware of is um, that because there's uridine in the formula, it may deplete um, B6, B9, and B12. So I'm going to make a very conscious effort to remind people to either supplement also with like a, a B complex or just make sure they're getting enough of these nutrients through um, the diet okay. because uridine uh, does tend to deplete those nutrients. Um, and the other side effect would be, I mean, if people are having too much, if they're having two sachets a day, they might feel a little bit restless and a little bit irritable. Um, but other than that, I mean, I don't really see – there's no other – again, maybe hypoglycemia from the D-ribose. Okay. Um, but apart from that, they're all pretty, – it's pretty – it's very well researched and it's very safe. Traditionally, it's – I mean, in Brazil, uh, if, you, if, you go, if you go to Brazil and talk about either one of those herbs, you know, everyone will just laugh and just say, yeah, we love these, you know. Nice. That's awesome. So how can, how can people get it? Um, so currently we are just getting pre-orders. Um, I only just received my first round of investment of like five weeks ago. Um, so I'm literally starting from the ground zero. Um, but basically people can just go to brainx.me um, and they can pre-order now. And for those early adopters, they will receive 50% off their second box. Um, so... With this promotion, we're not even making. I mean, we're not even break. We're just breaking even. Um, it's a. It's not. A, it's not a cheap formula to produce because um, sourcing the ingredients is quite difficult. Like the herbs, are quite difficult, and the quality of the the catuaba and miripama is very good compared to some of the other um, vendors that I've that I've used in the past. So um, yeah, people can sign up. I'm, um, brainx.me and um, once we hit a thousand sort of pre-orders then we'll, we'll be starting our first like, manufacturing run um, so about a third of the way there now so yeah getting nice. there very nice is it uh, do you guys ship internationally um, yeah we we aim to ship internationally I mean none of the ingredients are considered illegal anywhere so yeah awesome cool man well, I mean, that's kind of uh, all the questions I've got. Is there anything else you want to talk about or mention? Um, not really. I mean, well, thanks so much, dude. I really appreciate you giving us the time, and uh, I'll put the links for Brain X and some of the other stuff we talked about in the show notes. Uh, but thanks so much for being here. No worries, man. No, I really enjoyed it. So great stuff there from Lucas. Uh, for anybody who is curious about some of the stuff we talked about, uh, we covered a wide range of topics. There will be show notes for the BPC-157 that he mentioned, uh, the brown seaweed, Brain X snowballs, and some other interesting articles. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Be well. Be well.